Uh, we're going to have our Bible reading now, which uh, comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. Uh, it's uh, part of the teachings of Jesus. David's going to bring us that, and it comes from yeah, Luke 6, uh, 27 to 36. So it's on the screen. Thanks, David. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them, the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you, do, if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sen- sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Wonderful. Well, we continue on this topic of love. Last week we were looking at love in reference to 1 Corinthians 13, and today we're looking at love and I wanted to specifically think about Jesus, the link between Jesus and love. Um, And here at Coral Baptist Church, our aim is to be all about knowing Jesus and to make him known. And so uh, I'm hopeful that love is central to that. So let me start with a question. Did Jesus teach and show love? What would you say? Yes. Would you say it was central to his life? love. So if we're following Jesus, is love central to our lives then? That's quite a telling question, isn't it? Because it's looking up to the perfection of Jesus and to say, well, can I do that? Is that possible? Can I love like he did? It's not an easy task because we need to think about the very definition of love. We were talking a bit about what the world thinks of love last week. Uh, And that reminder that the world so often, it's about reciprocal love. I will love only if someone else loves me back. That's the condition of love. My friends, my family, uh, someone that I'm in love with, it's only about them loving me back. And our relationship is all about love if it returns. That's what the basis of so much of our society is. But into that comes Jesus' teaching and this amazing thing that many of us probably know off by heart, which is called the greatest commandment. Who is addressed in the greatest commandment? All of us. We're all addressed. And who is that love to go towards? God. Towards God. As it says in Matthew 22, 36 to 38, 
Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your minds. This is the first and greatest commandment. A commandment for us to love, to love God. That's what it's all about. That's what we're called to. It's not just about loving other people. The the call of Jesus is to cast our eyes up towards God in heaven and to love him. And it might say, well, that's a great thing. I agree with that. But do we even understand what love is? That's what I, I want to think through. What, what does it mean for us to truly love God with our whole beings? To, to give him our whole heart's desires and our whole mind and our, our very soul. I think I haven't even grasped, but I'm sure that people here haven't grasped what it means to truly love God. I've got some ideas about what it might look like, but there's a greater depth to it, I'm sure, that I still need to uncover. And I believe it all starts with us worshipping God. Saying, God, you are worthy of praise. In my singing, in my life, in the way I use my lips, I want to praise you. I want to worship you. That's why one of my loving actions is to worship your greatness, to honor you. It's about admiring God, looking to God and saying, God, you are beautiful. I want to admire you. I want to praise you. I want to just give you thanks. Because you are good. It's about enjoying God. Do you enjoy God? Do you enjoy God, knowing Him, and and, and that joy it is to, to know of His good ways? I believe loving God is to have this heart of thanks towards God. To say thank you to what you have done in my life, what you are going to do, what you've done in the lives of people around me, what you are going to do in the lives of people around me, what you're doing in this world across all people and what you are going to do, to have this great appreciation of what God is up to. I believe having a love for God, because this is a broad topic, is also to have a heart that seeks after God. I want to learn more of your ways, God. I'm going to put effort into seeking your good ways. I'm going to desire to learn more of who you are and and what you've revealed to this world. To open up the Bible and to look through it with an openness, to, to let it shape us. To have this heart to seek um, just to, to that closeness with God. I want to know more of you. And then as to we understand it, there's the next step then to live it out. It's one thing to know that God would have us to be full of love. It's another thing to be loving and kind to others. That whole idea of thankful obedience. I'm so grateful, Lord, for what you've done. I'm going to follow, obey what you've asked me to do. And I believe being full of love towards God means being willing to change. To say, Lord, I'm just going to open up my life before you and I'm going to let you change me and mold me and, and just work on me in every aspect, Lord, that that you will make me more like you. Shape me. I'm willing. Here's some ideas of love. There's so much to it. I'm sure you've got other things to add to what it means to love God with everything. As I said before in the kids' talk, 
It's about loving God. And what it's not about is loving other things in an unhealthy way. To not have idols in our life. If you open up pretty much any section of the Old Testament, there is this great theme that goes through where the people kept turning away from worshipping God and turning to idols. It's throughout the Old Testament, without a doubt. The Israelites had to learn hard lessons. Sometimes they turned to idols because God was too powerful and they couldn't control God. Sometimes they just looked to the other nations and copied them. Sometimes they were just lost and wondering and didn't know what they were doing. Uh, But there's so many different reasons as to why they turned to idols, but they did. And the reality is that that's a challenge that we need to face in life. What are we looking to? Are we truly looking to God and to loving Him? Or are we looking to other things? There are so many modern day idols. You can, I, I gave the example of rugby before. What's another example? Um, alcohol, yes. People look to the enjoyment that they get through alcohol, yes. Money, a huge one in our society. Yep. I heard something over here. Ch- church. Yeah, people uh, might love church more than God in some ways. That could happen, yep. Job status, yeah, and career progression, yeah. And I heard wealth, it's not just money, it's all aspects of wealth. Yeah, there's so many things. Um, we have TV shows, um, Greatest Idol. We try to make music pop stars and movie stars. There's so many things. Uh, even the t- the, that eye, eye with the small eye up there in that picture, why do you think that's there? Uh, because it's a reference to the eye everything that's available from Apple these days, which people can love more than God. Because it comes back to us being satisfied with God. Because it comes back, if we love God, if we truly love God, we shouldn't need anything else in our lives. What more could we want more in life than God? Is God all that we need? Are we truly satisfied with God? Because the sad reality is I think our hearts so quickly Look to God's, it's a good thing, and then we start looking at other things and our hearts start to move away from God's. I just want us to stop and ponder for a moment. Is God truly sufficient for us? Is God enough? Are we content with God's? Are we satisfied with God's? Because I hope our heart's desire is to say yes. All I need is God's. I don't need all this other stuff that's accumulating in my life. I don't need to go after it. All I want to go after is God. May that be our heart's desire. A good telling test is to say, well, did Jesus go after the things of this world? Did he seek to to have all this material stuff or, or, or or, or love the things of this world? And the answer, of course, is no. He loved his heavenly Father, and that's what he was seeking to do. God is enough for us. We should be satisfied with him. And as we saw last week, we've already got up there. Sorry, I'm not sure how I flicked on from that one. It was supposed to be on that slide. Uh, But anyway, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, this reference of love... I have 10 laminated sheets here. I know that there was a couple of people came and spoke to me. Uh, One's here. Uh, Ken, could you hand those out if anyone would like one? 
It's a laminated sheet for you to pick up and it's just a reminder about how love is all about doing, doing good things. Because of course the greatest commandment is followed by the second greatest, which is to love us as ourselves. And from 1 Corinthians 13, if you cast your mind back to that, love is to be the motivation behind everything we do. Um, It's also about building other people up. Remember, pride sort of puffs us up, but love builds others up. And also, the wonderful thing about love is that it remains forever. Love lasts for eternity. Love will be in heaven, and it's something that will continue, so it's something for us to grow in. These are all points we looked at last week about how incredible love is, and it's about us actively doing things. So I'm just going to read this out quickly. Words that you're probably familiar with, just to go over it again, about what love is and what it's not. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. does not delight in evil. It rejoices with the truth. Always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. Some beautiful reminders for us about the way that we relate to others. And particularly our brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we've been talking about worldly love, I just want us to think about that for a moment again. About how we so reciprocal love. I will love you if you love me back. And Jesus taps into two areas of love that the world doesn't really understand. The first, of course, is a love for the one true God that we've been talking about already. But the second one in our reading is this idea that Jesus brings that we are to love our enemies. Because our enemies are people that we don't get along with. They've treated us poorly, so the world says we should pay them back. We should get revenge. We should make life hard for them. Well, get them. They've hurt us and so we're going we're gonna to give them what their due course deserves. That's what this world told, tells us ultimately for those around us. But what a different message from Jesus. Jesus calls us for something radically different and it's because we've received God's love, we've got this beautiful picture of love and so we're to have this picture of love when it comes to all people even when they treat us like rubbish or terribly. In Matthew's Gospel, there's a a, a similar words are quoted to Luke, and it says these words, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's still true today, isn't it? That's the background picture. This is what a lot of people in our world would say. Yes, you love your neighbor, those that are going to love you back or do kind things to you. But your enemy, you're to hate them. You're not to do good to them. That's the background. But Jesus steps into that with this new way. Verse 44, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What a challenge. A call to love all people. 
a call to love and to pray for those who mistreat us. I think a beautiful picture of this uh, is the book of Acts, when we see people responding in love when they are treated poorly. If you have never read through the book of Acts, I encourage you to do that. Some beautiful responses of love. But so to a modern day example, I think as I was preparing of the church in Egypt, um, the amount of persecution that they've received over the last decade, I would say, is intense. And yet every time you see reports coming out of Egypt and the church, they say these types of words. We forgive you. We love you. Uh, we're not going to, uh, res- we're going to respond in love. It's incredible to think that these people have received the worst possible treatment and yet their response is love. And we would say, well, why would they respond with such radical love? It's because they've received the love of God and they, they, they believe it and they, they want to show that love. That's more important than anything else to them even though they've been wronged in such a a, a huge way. These are churches that have been bombed and their family members killed. And yet they show love and response. That is incredible. And so Luke's gospel is the same. That was our Bible reading we had before, where there's these challenging words. Luke chapter 6, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. What incredible responses these are. This is not the type of love you would see in this world. This is a very different radical love that comes from God. This this idea that, that instead of seeking to make things set right. It's like, no, I'm just going to love because God loves. I'm going to do things that are just going to blow people's minds, that you come and steal my coat off me, and so I offer you my shirt on top of it. Someone hits you, and then you just, rather than trying to punch them back, you turn the other cheek, that they can hit you. These are incredible things. Responding with love. Trusting that God is beyond our situation and if He wants us to have something, He will provide it for us. This is not about holding on to material things. This is about wanting to show love instead of, instead of holding on to the stuff that people have. And the motivation for it has to be receiving God's love. And down the end of that reading, verse 35, once again it's reinforced. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be called children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. What an amazing picture. Think through that for a moment. You have an enemy and they come and ask you for some money. What do you do? You lend it to them and expect no repayments. This is radical. This is very radical stuff. It's because it shows in your life, I value the love of God more than money, so I'm going to give up my money uh, just to give it to you, even though I know I'm not going to get it back. That is a weird concept for us in this world. What we would normally say is, I want interest on my money and I want you to pay me by this date and I'll take you to the courts if you don't pay me back. 
That's the sort of typical, typical thing. Or if it's an enemy, we'd say, I would never lend you money. No, no. What a bizarre concept. But it gets the focus off money and onto the love of God. Incredible. And we're shown why. Because God has been kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Are we the unkind, ungrateful and wicked? Well, we once were. We were once extremely unkind and wicked, and yet God showed his love to us, and that's given us hope for eternity. In reference to the love of God, surely we can give up some material things in the short term to bring honor to God. And that's the thing. When we show radical love, it shows that we belong to God. It shows that we truly are his children. Many of us would say, yes, I'm a child of God. Well, what a challenge here to start lending in such a giving way, to stop having that heart's desire for more material things and to have this heart's desire to give it away, to share it, to bless others because God has blessed us. Verse 36 is the the summary at the end there. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Who knows what the word mercy means? Or merciful. Unwarranted favour. People have did not deserved it at all and yet they receive favour. They receive good things even though they don't deserve it. That's exactly what we've received in the good news of Jesus and so we're to show that to others. In Matthew's version it says, Be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. And being perfect means about how we do life. Because this whole pointer is about having practical, radical love. Is God glorified when we show practical, radical love? Absolutely. Is it a challenge for our living each day? Absolutely. How could I even start to do this unless God changes my heart's desires from the first place? But that's the whole point. We should be desiring the things of God's. We, we want more love. The thing that's going to last in heaven is love. So let's start practicing it now and, and grow in the ways of love. The material things we can't take to heaven. Our bank balances will not go to heaven with us. So many things that we think are important are of little importance to God and his kingdom. And yet what does God want us to be full of? Love. Sacrificial giving love. It's, a, it's a, a such a count of you to the way that most people live. And sadly, I feel that we as people living in this world, we so quickly lose our generous love um, and we start living like other people. This is a wake-up call for us to say, I'm going to make love the priority this week ahead and in the year ahead to have this radical love. Because wouldn't it be incredible, just picture this, that we as individuals, we all do radical acts of love. Surely people would stop and say, why are you doing that? Why are you possibly, why are you giving up this stuff? Why are you doing things that I don't see other people do? And of course we would say, we are doing that because we've received the love of God. That will be a strong witness to our worlds, this incredible love. That will stop them in their tracks and get them asking questions. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we marvel at the teachings of Jesus. 
once again. We thank you that he is the perfect example and role model. Our Lord God, we are uh, just blown away by your love. Your love for us is incredible. So, so great. Help us to, in our hearts, to know what your love is in, your, in our minds and in our souls. Help us to love you, God, and also to love others. Lord, we're even bold enough to ask this morning that you would help us to love our enemies. Those, Lord, that treat us poorly or ridicule our faith, Lord, help us to be full of love because we know that you value love. So we ask for your help in this in Jesus' name. Amen.